Turn with me to Numbers chapter 11 tonight. Numbers chapter 11. The book of Numbers. Well, we were uh, at a teen meeting years ago uh, before we uh, had come up here and uh, one of the challenges, one of the preachers got up and he's looking around. It, it was all teenage boys in there and he says, I, I want to hear your best Christian pickup line. He said, you know, I want to I hear your, your best Christian pickup lines. He said to all these guys, these, these young teenage boys who all, you know, thought that they were God's gift to the earth and, and you know, God's gift to all of the young women. He said, so he's like, I, I want to hear your best one. This young boy stands up and like, go ahead. And he says, my Bible must have a mistake because I looked all through the book of Numbers and didn't find yours. I said, wow, that's pretty creative right there. Numbers chapter 11, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, the fourth book of the Bible. Doesn't it seem that around the holidays that are supposed to be delightful times that we are so easily distracted, discouraged, and depressed? Doesn't it seem that around the holidays where it's supposed to be a time of cheer, a time of celebration, that often we find ourselves uh, on the other end of that spectrum. In fact, there's a little chorus that often we find ourselves singing. Now, you may not sing it out loud, but the words go like this. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. Deep dark... <laughs> I was wondering if I would get one of those hee-haw-o's in there. Deep, dark depression, excessive misery. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. Now let me say this. If you were not aware, blue is my favorite color for attire, for accessories, and even automobiles. But it's a terrible color for our attitude. And I want to encourage you tonight from the Word of God with this thought, how to battle the blues. We all face them from time to time. We certainly do. Maybe that's you tonight. I want to help you uh, with the help of the Lord and through His Word tonight. So Numbers chapter 11, Numbers chapter 11, verse number 1. Look with me here. Numbers chapter 11, verse number 1. And when the people complained... It displeased the Lord, and the Lord heard it. And the Lord hears everything, by the way. When the people complained, it displeased the Lord, and the Lord heard it, and His anger was kindled, and the fire of the Lord burnt among them and consumed them that were in the uttermost parts of the camp. And the people cried unto Moses, and when Moses prayed unto the Lord, the fire was quenched. Now, that's a good thing right there. Moses, he, he interceded for the people. You notice that? That's a good thing. And I want you to pay attention to Moses here, not necessarily the people. And he called the name of the place Tibera because the fire of the Lord burnt among them and the mixed multitude that was among them fell a-lusting and the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who shall give us flesh to eat? 
We remember the fish when we did eat in Egypt freely, the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. But now our soul is dried away. There is, watch this, there is nothing at all beside this manna before our eyes. Now, turn with me to... Well, hold your place here. Hold your place here. Turn to Numbers chapter 21. Just a few pages over. Stay there in Numbers chapter 11, but turn to Numbers chapter 21. Now, again, I want you to be paying attention to Moses here. We could spend a lot of time talking about the complaining of the people, talking about the lack of uh, of concern in the people's mind for the provision that God was providing for them every single day without fail. And yet they said there's nothing to eat. It's like they're all a bunch of teenagers. Anyway, <laughs> Numbers chapter 21, verse 4. And they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom, And the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. And the people spake against God and against Moses. Wherefore have ye brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread. Notice that. Neither is there any water. Watch this last phrase. And our soul loatheth. That means hate exceedingly. Loatheth this light. Bread. They're talking about the provision of God. They hate it. I'm going to show you here in just a moment. We're going to look at how times like this in life grieve us and put us in this place of the blues. But let's pray. Father, we love you. We're so thankful for who you are. Thankful for the privilege to gather here tonight. Lord, I pray that uh, through your word that you'd encourage our hearts tonight. Lord, certainly I know uh, uh, many that are having their own struggles, their own difficulties, different sorrows and concerns. And Lord, sometimes the weight of those things is crushing. And I pray that you'll help us tonight to know how to fight against this, to know how to have victory uh, over this, and how that we can uh, have that thankful and cheerful heart once again, how the joy can be restored uh, to our hearts and to our minds. Lord, we love you and we thank you. Blessing our time to come in Jesus' name. Amen. The first thing I want you to realize tonight is that the blues, notice we read in two separate passages of Scripture there, the blues aren't a one-time thing. It's an oft-repeating burden. And the blues affect even the most faithful followers of the Lord. In fact, I'll prove it to you tonight. We'll look at a few examples here before uh, I try to help you from the Word of God on how to battle the blues. And if you're taking notes, get a pen ready. I'm going to give you a lot of Scripture coming up. But uh, uh, let's look at some examples. Let's start with Moses. Numbers chapter 11. Remember, the people now, they, they complained. They, they said, there's nothing to eat. All we got is this, this stinking heaven bread, angel food cakes all around us. That's all we got. God gives us food every day and we don't like it. We're tired of it. We want something else. We want something better. We want something more. And day after day after day, it seems that these people, these whiny people, all they could do is complain. Now look at verse 14. Now Moses responds. He's prayed for the people. 
He prayed for God to stop the fire that was consuming them. But now look at verse 14. This is Moses speaking to the Lord. I am not able to bear all this people alone because it is too heavy for me. And if thou deal thus with me, kill me, I pray thee, out of hand. If I have found favor in thy sight, and let me not see my wretchedness. Well, can, can you admit with me tonight that Moses was in a pretty low place? You know you're in a low spot when you cry out to God and say, Take my life. The one who gave you life. The one who has a purpose and a plan for your life. You know what it is, and perhaps you personally know what it is, to be in that place where the weight of the world weighs down upon you, and you say this, I cannot bear this alone. That's 100% true. You can't. You know, that's what we need to realize. We cannot bear these burdens alone. Guess what? We don't have to. Jesus says... Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Hebrews, we read in Hebrews chapter 12, and it says that we lay aside the sin and the weights that so easily beset us. You know, the weight of the world that sometimes seems like it's just sitting right here. Or maybe it's knocked you down and now it's sitting right here. You know what it's like. I know what it's like to sometimes find yourself having the blues. That's where that song comes from. Get ready, Brother Frank. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. There you go. Thank you. So here are these people. Look, they had a complaint. Was it a valid complaint? No. God was providing for them. God was providing for them. He was taking care of their every need. They just didn't like the way God was providing for them. So now look how it affects Moses. Now Moses is displeased with the people that God has given him to lead. And so Moses says, God, if if I found favor in your sight, wipe me out. It's... Why? Because he said he could not bear this alone. Alone. But it wasn't just Moses. Turn with me to 1 Kings 19. 1 Kings 19. I'll walk you through some of these. I want you to see them tonight. 1 Kings 19. There's another fellow who struggled with the blues. His name was Elijah. Elijah had just come out of probably the greatest spiritual victory of his day. Here Elijah stood alone on the top of the mountain against all of the false prophets of Baal. Those false prophets of Baal that and jumped around and danced around and cut themselves and hooped and hollered. And Elijah looked over and mocked him and said, Maybe your God's asleep. Maybe your God's on vacation. And then he prayed that short little prayer, and God sends fire down from heaven, consumes the altar, consumes the water, consumes everything. 
What a spiritual victory. All the people uh, that were around uh, who had, when, when Elijah had said, if God be God, serve Him. And if Baal be God, serve Him. It says, but you have to decide. And it says, the people answered Him not a word. But when the fire fell, those people were quick to answer. The Lord, He is the God. The Lord, He is. It was a great victory. And then we get into chapter 19. Verse 1. No, excuse me, verse 4. Because now, you know, Elijah's now met that bony-fingered hag named Jezebel. That's that's biblical, bony-fingered hag. She would eventually become dog food. It's probably one of my favorite stories in the Bible. I was like, how in the world could all of her body parts be scattered all through? And it says the dogs came along and ate her. And I'm like, she became not only dog food, but she became dog... Well, what happens after they eat the food? <laughs> and in those days, you didn't have to follow them around with the little plastic bags and pick it up. <laughs> Walmart bags, yes, sir. You know why they have the loops on the Walmart bags, right? So that when you pick it up, you swing it around your finger and fling it off into the neighbor's yard. Anyway, that's free. First, First Kings 19, verse 4. Jezebel's now said, Elijah, within 24 hours, what happened to my, false, my, my prophets of Baal is going to happen to you. Now, Elijah's won this great victory through God. It was God that won the victory. Whose side is Elijah on? God's. But now this woman uh, comes along and threatens him. Now, verse 4, But he himself, when a day's journey into the wilderness, came and sat down under a juniper tree, and he requested for himself that he might die, and said, It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. Now here again, there's a true statement. Is Elijah any better than his father? No, we're all sinners. But God's better. God's better. See, the focus was in the wrong place. Look at verse 9. He came thither unto a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword, and I, even I only, am left. Notice the, 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 the focus is turned inward here. And they seek my life to take it away. Wait a minute. And they seek my life to take it away. So Elijah goes to God and says, God, kill me before they do. I'm telling you, you come to this place where you have the blues like this, you don't think right. And you don't pray right. And you, you don't see things right. Look at verse 13. And it was so when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face, his mantle, and went out, stood in the enter, entering in of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, here comes the question again, what doest thou here, Elijah? He said, I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. 
So he's just repeating the the statement. doesn't matter what goes on around him. He has sunk into that place where his complaint is on repeat. Verse 18. This is God's response. Yet I have left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which hath not kissed him. So see, Elijah didn't see everything. He didn't know everything. And he certainly uh, got his perspective out of whack. So he struggled with the blues. Turn to the book of Job. The book of Job. Job chapter 3. Because Job struggled with the blues. Job chapter 3. Job chapter 3. Verse 1. After this, opened Job his mouth and cursed his day. That statement right there, I mean, when you curse your day, that's a curse the day he was born. That's what that means. I wish I had never been born. Job spake and said, Let the day perish wherein I was born. See, there it is. And the night in which it was said, There is a man-child conceived. Job struggled with the blues. Now, did Job have difficulty in his life? Absolutely he did. He lost everything except his wife. Don't laugh. That's not funny. But he he lost everything. I mean, just bad news. One right after the other. Right on the heels of one message of destruction came another and came another. And there was a day when Job just received one bad set of information after another, and Job comes to the place, he's like, I can't handle this anymore. I wish I'd never been born. Job struggled with the blues. Turn to Jeremiah chapter 20. Jeremiah chapter 20. I think I went too far. Jeremiah, there we are, chapter 20. If I was smart, I would have marked all of these in a little tab. Jeremiah chapter 20, Jeremiah struggled with the blues. Jeremiah 20, verse 14. Boy, this is going to sound familiar. Jeremiah 20, verse 14. Cursed be the day wherein I was born. Let not the day wherein my mother bare me be blessed. What's Jeremiah saying? Don't you dare sing happy birthday to me. Look at verse 18. Wherefore came I forth out of the womb to see labor and sorrow that my days should be consumed with shame. Jeremiah is at that place where every day of his life he sees as a waste. He's struggling with the blues. You starting to get the picture? Now, now these are, these are folks from the Word of God that God used in a great way. God used Moses in a great way. God used Elijah in a great way. God used Job in a great way. God used Jeremiah in a great way. And guess what? They still struggled with the blues. So you think it's out of the ordinary that you and I would struggle in our life at some point as well? Turn to Jonah chapter number 4. Just keep going toward the New Testament. Put all these in order like this so it would be... Easy. Er. Amos. Where's Jonah? He's not in a fish anymore. I know that. Jonah. There it is. Jonah chapter 4. 
Now, I know you're probably sitting here tonight going, okay, preacher, we get the idea. These guys struggle with it. No, we, we really, I want to drive this point home. And when we get to the how do you battle the blues, then you're going to be so mm, depressed by what these guys all went through. You'll be like, get us out of this hole of no hope. Well, with pleasure. You got to get in the hole first. Jonah chapter 4, verse 3. Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Wait a minute. Jonah had already run from God. Jonah had been swallowed by that great fish that had been prepared by God. And in the belly of that great fish, he cries out to God for help. And God mm, turns him into whale vomit. And up onto the beach he comes. And when he comes out of the whale's mouth, he's like, yep, I'll do whatever God says now. What did he do? He ran right to Nineveh. He preached his little short message and all of Nineveh repented. And all of Nineveh was spared. But Jonah still didn't like the people in Nineveh. And after all of this and after all the mercy that God had poured out upon him, now in, in chapter 4 and verse 3, Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me. It's better for me to die than to live. What in the world? Again, the perspective is all out of whack. You see, look, there might be someone in your life right now that you just absolutely don't like. Don't, don't call out any names. I don't think my heart could take hearing my name that many times. This person in your life that, you know what, you just don't like. But what you realize is they really need the mercy of God. They really need the help of the Lord. And so, you know, you'll, you'll do what God tells you to do. But then when God shows them mercy and they get right with God, don't get offended by that. Well, who do they think they are? Well, God, I wish you had a killed them. Well, so now what's Jonah saying? Well, God, you didn't kill them, so kill me. This world isn't big enough for the both of us. That's how foolish. All because he struggled here, smattered the blues. Look at verse 9. Jonah chapter 4, verse 9. God said to Jonah, Doest thou well to be angry for the gourd? Remember, he's sitting out there getting scorched in the sun and God sends this plant to grow and it grows this big pumpkin over his head. And then the worm comes out and it devours the pumpkin. All because Jonah wasn't thankful for that and he's still miserable. He's still not happy that mm, the mercy of God was poured out on these people who needed it. Jonah said, I do well to be angry even unto death. Jonah struggled with the blues. Now turn back to 1 Samuel chapter 30. Put it in reverse. Go back to 1 Samuel chapter 30. Verse 6. 1 Samuel chapter 30 and verse 6. We're going to look at David. You remember David and his men, they were living in, in, this, in his, their families. They were living in this town, this place called Ziklag. And they had gone out to fight. The men had. And when the men come back, what they find is the town's been burned. The people have all been kidnapped. There's nothing there, uh, just but an ash heap. 
1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6, And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. Now, would it, was it right for them to grieve? Absolutely. It was wrong for them to blame David and to seek his life. But look at the end of the verse. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. In Psalm 61 and verse 2, David says, When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. All of these other ones that we looked at, they missed that. When their heart was overwhelmed, they sunk into the pit of misery. And here's David. Life has come apart around him. There's nothing worth living for. Everything he's loved is gone. All of the homes and all of the family, everything's gone. To the point to where everyone around said, You did this to us, David, and you're going to pay for it. And it says that David was greatly distressed. But... David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And here's what I want us to see tonight. How can we move from the depths of depression to the mountaintop of delight? What did David say? When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. When those times come, friends, don't allow yourself to sink down into the depths of the blues. Look for that path that leads to the mountaintop of delight. You say, well, that's not easy. I didn't say it was easy, but it's necessary. If you want to keep your perspective right, if you want to keep your prayers right, if you want to keep living for the Lord right, if you want uh, the things that you think and the things that you say to be right, you're going to have to learn to encourage yourself in the Lord. I'm going to give you five things tonight that will help you, that will lead you to the rock that's higher than you, if you'll remember them and put them into practice. I just coined the term, you can call these blues busters if you want to. I, I don't know, that might be copyrighted somewhere, so uh, all rights go to whoever. Five things. Five simple things. Now I want you to remember Remember Moses, remember Elijah, remember Job, remember Jeremiah, remember Jonah. Remember how their mm, thinking got in the wrong place and the things that they said mm, were foolish in the moment, all because what they saw got distorted. Their view of reality got crooked, even though they were in tough times. There was still victory available. So number one tonight is this. Here's five things, five simple things. Number one, know that you are loved. You want to battle the blues? That's the first thing you're going to have to remember. Because if you go back to Moses, if you go back to Elijah, if you go back to Job, if you go back to Jeremiah, you'll find that when they were in their depths of despair, they forgot how much God loved them. They just forgot. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, the Bible says this, But God commendeth His love 
toward us. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. John chapter 15 and verse 13. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. First John chapter 4 and verse 19. We love Him because He first loved us. Wait a minute. First John 4.21 And this commandment have we from Him, that he who loveth God loveth his brother also. Then Jesus says, In John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love uh, one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. All the people that we looked at struggled with the blues because first and foremost they forgot the love of God. Let me help you tonight. Just because it looks for you in the moment that there's a complete lack of love, it will not negate the truth that God's love has no expiration date. Never forget, friend, the truth of the matter is no matter what happens in this life, no matter what comes your way, God loves you. He's already proven it. And He'll continue to love you. He loves you with an everlasting love. In fact, Jeremiah writes about it in Jeremiah 31 in verse 3. The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. You want to know one of the things that encourages me in life when everything seems to be going wrong? Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to Him belong. They are weak, but He is strong. Why? Yes, Jesus loves me. Friend, never forget the fact that you're loved. Battle the blues by being ever mindful of God's love for you. Number two. First one, know that you're loved. That's important. You have to know that. Number two, know that you're not alone. Well, well, wait a minute. Moses found himself alone against the children of Israel and Elijah found himself alone against Jezebel and her armies and Job found himself alone. He had some miserable comforters that showed up, but they, they started off okay. They sat with him in sackcloth and ashes there for seven days. They never said a word, but then they opened their mouth and everything fell apart. Jeremiah, he found himself alone. Jonah found himself alone. Jonah made himself alone. David found himself alone. You say, see, see, they were alone. Uh Uh-uh. They forgot the fact that they were not alone. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 and 6. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Ephesians chapter number 4. 
verses 15 and 16. Ephesians 4, 15 and 16, But speaking the truth in love may grow up into Him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying, the building up of itself in love. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 30. For we are members of His body, of His flesh, and of His bones. And in case you forgot, Matthew 28 and verse 20, Jesus says, And lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Now wait a minute, wait a minute. Jesus ascended back to heaven, right? What, right? Yeah, uh uh-huh. John 16, verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I'll send him unto you. If you're saved, if you're not, you need to be saved. If you're not, when you hit the blues, you're going to be stuck there with no hope. But if you're saved, friend, tonight, you can delight in the truth that God not only indwells you, but is intimately involved in your life. Now, I don't know about you, but when I'm battling the blues, it brightens my perspective to realize that He's right there with me. He knows that I hurt. He knows that I have cares. He knows that I have problems. He knows that I have fears. He knows that I'm weak. He loves me. And He's not leaving. Oh, what an encouragement it is. How you battle the blues is to realize that God loves you. To realize that God's with you. Number three, know that you can ask for help. You know, the one thing I noticed about mm, Moses and then mm, Elijah and then uh, Job and then mm, uh, Jeremiah and then Jonah, not David, because David encouraged himself in the Lord. Well, how did he do that? He asked for help. Those other ones didn't. They just got down in their pit of misery and had their pity party and there they were. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Now, God loves you. If you're saved, God indwells you. And He's not leaving. And that brings 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7 to a whole new light. Casting all your care upon Him. He's right there. Why? For He careth for you. Do you have a problem? Okay. Have you given it to God? Or just grumbling about it to God? James chapter 5 and verse 13, Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Psalm 55, 16, As for me, I will call upon God, and the Lord shall save me. Psalm 86, verse 5, For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. Psalm 145, verse 18, The Lord is nigh unto all them that call upon Him to all that call upon Him in truth. Hey, let's talk to Jeremiah again. Jeremiah 33 and verse 3. You know, God's 911. Call unto me. 
and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. See, Moses had a time where he didn't know how God was going to work, and he couldn't see how God was going to work. The same for Elijah, the same for Job, the same for Jeremiah, the same for Jonah. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Jeremiah eventually came out of the blues. And so did Moses. And so did Elijah. And so did Job. And so did Jeremiah. And so did Jonah. You say, well, how? They had an attitude adjustment. Well, what adjusted with their attitude? They realized that God loved them. They realized that they weren't alone. And they realized that they could ask for help. Romans chapter 10 and verse 12. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon Him. I ask you a question. How often do we needlessly wrestle with despair and depression simply because we won't ask for help? James chapter 4 and verse 2. Ye lust and have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight in war, yet ye have not, because you ask not. Look, friends, without question... God loves you. That, that is not a conditional statement. That's just a truth. God loves you. If you're here and saved tonight, God is with you. God wants to help you. But you're going to have to remember to seek His help. Number four. It's another thing you need to know. Number four. Know that God... Now, you're going to have to... This one, this one, you're going to have to use your brain muscle. You're going to have to use your memory muscle. You're going to have to go back into the file cabinet. You're going to have to look back in the past a little bit. Know that God keeps His promises. Amen. Joshua chapter 23, verse 14. Behold, this day I am going the way of all the earth. There's Joshua saying, I'm, I'm about to die. And ye know in all your hearts and in all your souls, there's Joshua talking here to the people. You know that in your hearts and in all your souls that not one thing hath failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spake concerning you. All are come to pass unto you, and not one thing hath failed thereof. God keeps His promises. Jeremiah again. Jeremiah 32. I, I guess when Jeremiah came out of the blues, God used him to write a self-help book. Jeremiah 32, verse 42. For thus saith the Lord, like as I have brought all this great evil upon this people, so will I bring upon them all the good that I have promised them. 
Paul writes this about Abraham in Romans chapter number 4. In Romans 4 and verse 18, he says, Who against hope believed in hope. Verse 19, And being not weak in faith. Verses 20 to 21, He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what He had promised, He was able also to perform. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 23, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Just like Abraham held on to his faith, let you and I hold on to our faith. Why? For He is faithful that promised. God doesn't break promises. Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. We talked about this this morning. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us. We're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 13. Nevertheless, we, according to His promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. First John 2 and verse 25. And this is the promise that He hath promised us, even eternal life. Hey, God keeps His promises. Never broken one before. He's not going to start with you. You battle the blues by remembering to believe God who He says He is, what He said He would do, and what He says He will do. Number five. Well, you need to remember that God loves you, and you need to remember that God's with you, and you need to remember you can ask for help. You need to remember that God keeps His promises. And then this one. Know that you have God-given friends. Know that you have... God-given friends. You know, there are people in my life today that 10 years ago, I didn't know. But God knew. And He has brought people into my life from time to time, and they've gone out from my life from time to time. But it seems that God knows always the right time to bring the right people. What a privilege that it is to have good, godly friends. Proverbs 17 and verse 17, A friend loveth at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Proverbs 18, 24, A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. And there's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Well, I'm glad what a friend we have in Jesus. Proverbs 27, 17, Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. John fifteen thirteen again, Greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. Jesus goes on to say this, Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants. For the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. Now I want you to hear this verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 in verse 18. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 18. But now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased Him. You say, how come it's us here at the church? Because God set the members as it pleased Him. 
God brought you at the time He brought you. He took some at the time He took some. But God knows this local church body that He wants to knit together. When you find yourself in that burdensome battle against the blues, don't forget the encouraging truths tonight. God loves you. He's with you. He wants to help you. He keeps His promises. And He gives you friends. The first and foremost, and we we sing about it, what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. Wait, Wait a minute. What a friend we have in Jesus. He's the one who bears our sins and griefs if we call upon Him. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. The song goes on. It says, have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? Answer that question. Yeah, you better believe there is. Wait, we should never be discouraged. Why? Because we can take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Do you understand tonight? I don't know what it is that you're going through. Some of you I know a little of what you're going through in the moment. Some of you I have no idea. But God knows and God loves you and God cares. God knows where you're at. God knows what you need. God knows what you're struggling with. And God knows how He wants to work in and through that. Look, I'm just flesh and blood. And I'll do my best to be a help to you. I'll do my best to be a friend to you. But I promise you the arm of flesh will fail you. There's going to come a time where, guess what? I'll let you down. Not even intentionally and not maliciously. It just just happens. But God will never let you know. No matter how dark the storm, no matter how bad the storm, no matter how black the night, I'm telling you tonight, God loves you. God's with you. God wants to help you. God's never broken a promise. And He's such a wonderful friend. And not only is He a wonderful friend, but guess what? He gives us other godly friends along the way. You battle the blues by bringing your burdens to the Lord. I encourage you tonight, just as we close tonight, I just want to encourage you with this. I don't want you to think about anything else in the moment except for the truths that I just gave you and the struggle that you may be facing in your life right now. And here's my encouragement for you. We're going to pray in just a moment. And when we have that invitation time, I I, I wouldn't walk to come pray. I'm not going to tell some of you to run because I don't want you to fall out in the aisle. But we ought to make a mad dash to the Lord for help. I fear that our problem is is we've grown too complacent and too careless and too apathetic. And we forget just who God is. And if we just come to Him with humble, broken hearts and pour our burdens out to Him and let Him have them, 
cast our cares on Him. Why? Because He cares for you. Because He cares for you. How do you battle the blues? You encourage yourself in the Lord. Our heads are bowed.